middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond with Tommy Castor, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say we are only mildly entertaining. I say we are exactly where we need to be talking shocker softball, hanging another championship banner. Yeah, it actually happened. And if you actually think about it, they won pretty much everything else that they could have won this past weekend. With that, we welcome you to the Keeper of the Games podcast. We're hoping to hang our own banner someday as the best podcast talking Wichita sports in and around and of interest to Wichita, Kansas. I am your host, Blake Cripps. We are joined once again by Tommy Castor. And Tommy, I know that Weston will really appreciate this, but you actually texted me this week and said that you actually want a long-standing debate with your wife standing up for men everywhere. Congratulations. You know what? I'm proud of you. And, and it was a battle well worth waging for you. Well, thank you very much, Blake. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was a, a battle that was, you know, several years in the making. There is a local fast food Mexican restaurant in Wichita called El Gordo. Uh, I believe it used to be in an old Taco Tico location on the east side of Wichita, right along Central Avenue, just east of Greenwich. And uh, I love that place. And I, I could never get my wife to admit that she liked it. And finally, uh, it was just the other night, I picked some up on the way home and she admitted that she actually liked it. So uh, it Why'd was- Why'd she find uh, you I, on I, that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that, you know, when you when you rank it amongst other Mexican restaurants, um, I, I don't know if you want to admit that you like a fast food Mexican restaurant over the other fine Mexican establishments uh, in the Wichita metro area. So but I finally broke down those walls. I broke down that barrier and I was able to strike a blow for men everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Weston, when's the last time you won an argument with your wife? Uh, that's on the nightly. She doesn't, she's made it clear that she doesn't listen to this podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and answer that as pretty much daily. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Plus she went to friends. We've already been over this, that, you know, that already discredits her her right there. Well, you're having a kid with her. Well, I, you know, I, I met her at uh, Denim and Diamonds, so I was fooled by that uh, rhinestone saddle that they used to have at the old Denim and Diamonds <laughs> there at the Town West Mall. It's a romantic place that you just can't uh, can't help yourself. What were you getting at Denim and Diamonds? No, no, it's a it's a uh, bar in the mall. It's oh, a country western okay. bar in the mall. I just, so I, I just w- had this I had this vision in my head of Weston showing up to purchase like some rhinestone encrusted <laughs> cowboy boots. And I was like, yeah, that actually fits Weston. No, I was actually uh, there to purchase many, many Coors Lights, I think. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, this is episode number 67 of the Keeper of the Games podcast, and you can get us in very many ways and places. The best way to follow us, of course, is on our website, cogsports.com, facebook.com slash keeper of the games. And if you want to get in touch with us, best way to reach out to us is on Facebook, send us a message, or at CogPod on Twitter. Your best source for the podcast is always CogPod.Podomatic.com, but we're pretty much anywhere. You can get the audio on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google, Apple, Stitcher, many, many more. And you can also watch the videos on Facebook and on YouTube if you dare. Coming up in the show today, the wind surge on opening night. It's in the books, but not everything is rosy for the wind surge. 
and Kansas City Royals baseball stinks. But we will begin today with Wichita State Shocker Softball, your winners of the 2021 American Athletic Conference Softball Tournament Championship, beating Tulsa 9-4 in the semifinals, and they win the championship over Central Florida 7-4. They're 39-11. and It's their first ever AAC tournament title, third conference tournament title in program history. They're headed to the Norman Regional of the NCAA Tournament. Shocks are ranked number 24 in the country. Riley Buck, Bailey Lang, Buck, by the way, a Wellington product, local product, Madison Perrigan, Sydney McKinney, Addison Barnard, all named to the all-tournament team. Sydney McKinney earlier in the week was named the player of the year for the conference. Kaylee Hecker was the defensive player of the year for the conference. Addison Barnard was the American rookie of the year in the conference. And Christy Breadbenner, and this is lame because in the American, they call it the coaching staff of the year. That's stupid, so I'm going to call it what it is. She was the American coach of the year. Four Shockers on the first team, all AAC. Second team, all AAC. The Shockers had three. Tommy, they pretty much cleaned it up. They needed to rent another bus for all the trophies and hardware they brought back to Wichita. And what a way to cap it off for the weekend, winning the American Athletic Conference Tournament Championship and cementing their ticket into the NCAA Tournament. Yeah, a lot of hardware to take home for the Shocker softball squad. Uh, and not just a lot of hardware, a lot of well-deserved hardware for this team. This is a, a special Wichita State program, and it has been you know all season long, and really even before that, when Coach Breadbinner was starting to plant the seeds and build this program and put the pieces in place, uh, you know, th- th- this, this has been several years in the making for Shocker softball, for sure. They were able to realize it, obviously, with the regular season crown and then of course winning the tournament championship it's kind of a good news bad news situation for shocker softball and i'm sure this is something blake that we'll get into in just a few minutes but the fact that the shockers got their number two seed you know something that i'm sure that you know a lot of shocker fans were absolutely clamoring for and desiring that's great news but also they find themselves in the Norman Regional mm-hmm. with an, a, a potential chance to take on that incredibly dominant Oklahoma Sooners team uh, who the Shockers fell to in a run rule game the final regular season outing of the year just a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, you know, kind of a good news, bad news situation for the Shockers. They're in the NCAA Regional. They've got uh, a pretty tough draw, though. So you've got to wonder, you know, exactly what sort of strategy is going to be drawn up for this Shocker softball squad. Obviously, Wichita State has to get through, I believe it's Texas A&M, in the opening matchup in the NCAA Regional before they can potentially get to Oklahoma. You would think that that's probably what's going to end up happening for Wichita State. Uh, It's going to be a challenge for sure, but it's not a completely unknown challenge for the Shockers. They've seen the Sooners before. They know who they are. It's just a matter of can they put on a better game plan than they did just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the the thing is, they get that rematch with Oklahoma, and I kind of go back to what I said a couple weeks ago. This team seems like in big moments they've really rise to it, and, and we talked about it then, and they continued to win some big games following that. Obviously, as we talked about, Oklahoma was a big game that they did come up short on, but how do you respond? They've shown that they've been responding. Now they get that ultimate chance to respond, come back against this Oklahoma team that, frankly, they got embarrassed by, um, and and to have that opportunity to to take them on, you know, moving on into the tournament. And to be, I mean, the thing is, I mean, yeah, it sucks that that the draw happens to get Oklahoma so early. And and obviously, I know we're we're bypassing Texas A and M because that is the first matchup on uh, 
May 21st there at 5 on ESPN2. But, um, look, they, they're they going to get this rematch. And they were eventually, if, if, Oak, if Wichita State wants to do what their goal is and win a national championship, they have, they're going to have to go through this Oklahoma team at some point, whether it's now, later, or the other. I mean, more than likely anyways, right? I mean, you can't – it's always unpredictable, but uh, uh, Oklahoma being the, the very good favorite, you're either going to have to beat Oklahoma – really or, good. Or a team just as, you know, close to as good as Oklahoma. So you might as well just take them on now. And I love the fact that they that they've can kind of assess what happened last time and have that chance to, to, to get that revenge, if you will. Um, so, you know, it's a tough draw. It really is. But – I don't think it puts them in any worse worse position than than anything else. Frankly, I I, I think they just got to go play their softball and and do what they have shown that they can do all season. One thing, Tommy, that I am worried about a little bit: this Shocker team has been very reliant. We have kind of been in awe of these ladies because they hit so many home runs. I think they in Oklahoma when they at the time that they played were the number one and number two home run hitting teams in the country. Is Wichita State too reliant on the home run? When Wichita State does not hit a home run, they're four, seven, and one this year. Now if they hit a dinger, they're 35 and four. And if they hit two home runs or more, they're 28 and two. And if they hit three plus home runs, you can pretty much forget about it. They've had one one run game in all the three plus homer games. So basically if the Shockers get to three or more home runs, you can pretty much just start warming the bus up because you don't have a chance. But Oklahoma was a team that did hold them out, held them without a home run. They're going to have to figure out a way to score some runs. Oklahoma has, we, we talk about how good Wichita State's pitching is, and rightfully so. They've got Bailey Lang. They've got a fantastic second option. Oklahoma's got great pitchers. They have had fantastic pitching pretty much every year that they have been nationally relevant. I can't think of a single team. There probably is one team. We're not covering Oklahoma on this podcast, so I don't I'm not apologizing for not knowing, but there's probably been one or, or two teams where they didn't have the tippy-top pitching. They've got pretty much outstanding pitching this year, Tommy. And so, is Wichita State going to have to find a way to put runs together and string hits together against an Oklahoma team that just frankly doesn't give up many base runners? That's a question. I don't know if you're going to be able to count on multiple homers against this Oklahoma pitching staff. I don't know. Like Weston said, I don't like Wichita State's chances. I'm not saying that Wichita State's going to show up scared. I'm not even saying that they're going to get beaten like they did last time. But Oklahoma is so good, so dominant at every phase of the game. It's I I believe it's going to take something special to beat them. And I guess the next step for the Shockers is to get to a point where you host a regional, and so you don't have to play Oklahoma because I believe, and I may not, I may be wrong, but I believe that a lot of these seedings are done geographically to give the host team an advantage because they're hosting on their home field in Norman, obviously the Sooners are, but they're trying to limit travel costs for what is typically for many schools, not a revenue sport. So what I'm looking at is if we're seeing Wichita State continue on this trajectory and look at all the young talent on this team, there's no reason to think that Wichita State isn't going to be the American Athletic Conference preseason favorite next year. You're going to be looking at Oklahoma for a long time because there's no reason to think that Oklahoma is going to fall off the map. So you're going to have to try to invent ways to beat Oklahoma because, Tommy, it looks like you're going to be running into the Sooners for a while, especially if 
like I think we all believe on this show, with the young talent that Wichita State has on this team, they do will have to replace people. But you look at all those award winners. Look at how many of them are not seniors. Look at how many bats they have in the lineup and pitchers they have in the bullpen that are not going to be graduating for Wichita State. Shockers could be set up for a run of some dominance here in the AAC, but unfortunately that means that they may be matching up with Oklahoma in the postseason a lot, and that's a tough task. Well, let me address the comments about, you know, playing Oklahoma and the draw and, you know, sort of what that looks like for Wichita State. And then we'll talk about the specific game plan and kind of you mentioned the identity of this Shocker softball squad and, you know, that sort of thing. So first off, as far as the draw is concerned, this is an article, I believe, that was in the Wichita Eagle. And uh, Coach Breadbinner was kind of talking a little bit about the Shocker draw. There's obviously nothing that you can do now uh, about that, or there's really nothing you could have done before either. But it just it's the way that it, it worked out for Wichita State. But, you know, the Shockers had an RPI of 24. Uh, you know, they were ranked 24th in, in the country. They won both the regular season and conference tournament in the American they were frustrated that Mississippi State, who has an RPI of 29, they're the number two seed in the Stillwater Regional. And I, I think that was the regional that the, the Shockers wanted to be in. You've got Mississippi State, Boston, and Campbell. Those are the, the three other teams that are in the Stillwater Regional. More than likely, those three teams are all flying to Stillwater, but yet you've got Wichita State with, with a higher RPI, nonetheless, driving to Norman to play the top overall top seed in the regionals. And so obviously there's some frustration there. Um, but you're, you know, you're right. This sooner program is dominant. They've been dominant for a while. They're not going anywhere the same way that you would like to think that Wichita state isn't going anywhere either. They're not quite at the level of Oklahoma, but let's, let's be honest. The more than likely what's going to have to happen for this shocker softball squad, they're going to have to beat OU at least once, maybe even twice to Probably advance twice. out of the regional prop, but they, they could, there is a way where they could advance by only beating Absolutely. the Sooners once. Obviously the Sooners are going to have to lose to either Texas A&M or I think Morgan state is the other team in correct. that regional. That's probably not going to happen. So more than likely the shockers are going to have to beat OU twice, if not, you know, hopefully just one time. Uh, but uh, th that's, that's the way it's going to be. And I, I just don't like you mentioned due to the proximity, due to the way that things sort of look geographically, I don't think this is going to be the, the the final time that the Shockers are going to be able to see OU. One positive is the fact that this team faced OU before. Now, as you mentioned just a couple of moments ago, that was not a good outing for Wichita State. Uh, the Sooners run ruled uh, the Shockers. But at least they've seen them before. At least they're a little bit familiar with them. And they're familiar with that program only being a couple of hours away from Norman. So you'd like to think that, you know, this team will be, you know, prepared, that they'll have a good game plan ready to go. But to answer your initial question, Blake, about the long ball for, for the Shockers and, you know, is there an over-reliance and should they look at maybe trying to find another way to beat the Sooners? The, the Shockers' identity is set. They are who they are. <laughs> yeah. They've won the way that they've won all season long. They won a, a regular season conference uh, crown, and they won a, a, a tournament conference crown. Now is not the time, this late in the season, to start tinkering with the way that you do things. It's not the you time mean, to start tinkering with the process. You don't want to tell your home run hitters to go and hit doubles? You don't want to do no. that? No. 
No, you probably don't. You know, and is that going to work against a team like the Sooners? It certainly didn't work a couple of weeks ago, but we're not at a point now where you got to throw out the rule book and start from scratch. This is a very talented shocker team, right? They've gotten the way that they've played softball all season long has gotten them to this point. I think coach Breadbinner, I think the staff, they need to ride the the success, the ride the wave of the way that this team has won all season long. And so that's kind of the long and short of, of my thoughts of it. Yeah, and, and Weston, you know, that maybe there is a scenario where the Shockers, I don't want to say they play small ball, but, you know, obviously they're going to need to win by any means necessary without tweaking the actual process. There are there's a lot of ways to win softball yeah, games. So I don't even think obviously it, there it, is a path there for Wichita State. Word. I really, really do because it makes Wichita State not sound like the fantastic softball team that they are. But I kind of think of of the way you upset a good softball team. I kind of liken it to the three ball in March Madness. You know, you take that three ball, and, and you know a team gets hot, they can really knock anybody out of the tournament, right? Well, I think of softball. Exactly, and I think with with softball, that, that home run is kind of that same concept where, look, Oklahoma can play fantastic softball, you know, for six innings and then one bad pitch in Wichita State puts three on the board, you know, I mean, or, or four or two or, you know, whatever the case may be with, with just one mistake. And that's kind of the advantage you have um, when, you, when you do hit the long ball. Now, I think it's kind of like the three, I think. You, you live by the three, you die by the three. You live by the long ball, you die by the long ball. Uh, so that just kind of is what it is. But I do think it is a good recipe to upset, the, you know, potentially the best team in, in all of softball. And again, I, I I feel weird about using that word upset because it's maybe insinuating that, w- that Wichita State is not, you know, a very good softball team. And they are, but I kind of think of it like Alabama football, you know. I mean, it doesn't matter who, who you're talking about. You kind of use that word upset no matter how good the team is because, Al- you know, when Alabama was doing their thing or still are, you know, it's kind of that same concept. So, you know, I, I really don't think that they need to change what they're going to do because I do think it is a good recipe. It didn't last time, but that was the the die by the long ball. You just hope, and certainly you're going to, you're pulling together every facet of the game. So that doesn't mean you're <laughs> trying to not hit singles or, or move runners around or anything like that. Of course not. But maybe this time, you know, this time you hope you live by the long ball. So, you know, I think that that is what it is. And, you know, I, <clears throat> before I guess I move on to, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the first opponent, Texas A&M. And, um, sorry, it was in Morgan state is the other one. Is that in, isn't that right? That's what I heard you say, which I don't think, I think they're, um, so Texas A&M, you know, while yes, we're yes, glossing yes, past them, you know, and they are, uh, 39, I think they were 39 and 21. Is that right? 31 and 21. Sorry. But they, if you look at their record, they have not played, um, very quality softball against anybody ranked. They lost to number uh, 19 Tennessee. They took, or they lost two of three to number 12 LSU. All I'll jump in here very briefly. Sure. One thing that I look at with this Texas A&M squad, I, I, I get where you're coming from, Weston, kind of about what their resume is on paper this season. And I know, Blake, you mentioned about the conference that they're in. I, I look at it from an overall body of work over the last couple of decades. Texas A&M have made, they've made 19 straight NCAA tournaments. So there is a level of consistency there with this program. Are they the, the one of the top teams in the country? I mean, they're maybe in that second tier, right? 
yeah. this year specifically, but they do play in an incredibly tough conference. But I also look at the fact that they're no strangers to this tournament process at all. And so they're going to be a formidable opponent for Wichita State. Do I think that the Shockers will probably be favored against the Aggies? Probably, although the other thing to keep in mind, and these two teams haven't played each other in quite a while, but from the research I did, Wichita State has never beaten Texas A&M in softball. I think their overall all-time record is like 0-9. Now, obviously, that means nothing for this season. This sure. is a special shocker team. But at the same time, you know, I, it's going to be an interesting matchup, and I think that it would be wise, and I guarantee you that Coach Breadbinner and the Shockers uh, are doing this. They're not overlooking the Aggies. They're not saying, uh, well, we only need to focus on Oklahoma, you know, there's a reason why it's a 64 team tournament and, you know, pretty close to men's basketball or women's basketball, right? If you make the tournament, you deserve to be there more often than not. You're a, you're a solid program. So you absolutely cannot look past the number three, Texas A&M Aggies, that seed in the number four Morgan State uh, program as well. You can't just focus on Oklahoma. And uh, so I, you know, I I do think that's going to be a pretty big matchup. And the other point that I'll make, too, before we move on to our next topic is, you know, it is a double elimination tournament, but a softball game and a baseball game, even worse than softball, because you've got six fewer outs. You only play seven innings. Yeah. You give up one bad inning, it can get away from you really fast. And I think for Wichita State, they're going to have to get a great, maybe even the best start that they've ever got from Bailey Lang this season to have a chance. She didn't have a great start and Shockers kind of threw somebody else in there, a, a reserve, not so their Blake, second best pitcher. And she got torched a little bit. Here, Here's my question. And maybe this is something that, that you've thought about a little bit. You know, the first game in this regional is against Texas A&M. So do you throw Bailey Lang out there against A&M or do you save her potentially for Oklahoma, which more than likely is going to be the next game that the Shockers would have? Do you you have to try to get a win first so you're not on the brink of elimination or do you save your star pitcher for the biggest matchup that, that you could possibly have? God, when, when did that happen in baseball? Like it, it was in some postseason series. It was a big series too. And they maybe it was the Tigers or somebody and they didn't throw somebody because they were were saving him for game seven and well guess what they didn't get to game seven you didn't even throw yeah. your best guy the thing is in softball the arm tax is so different bailey lang has actually pitched on back-to-back days multiple times this year and she's been good i mean she went back-to-back complete games against south florida went back-to-back with pretty decent starts against tulsa and central florida hasn't had her best up here over the last four games so that that's a i'm gonna leave that in the hands of christy breadbenner Boy, it sure is a lot better to start 1-0. You, you know, if you trust Caitlin Bingham to come out and get you a win against Texas A&M and you trust your bats, then maybe you do go ahead and start Caitlin Bingham in that game. Bingham, for the most part this year, she's 9-3. and three. Um, She actually has the lowest ERA on the team, but you look at the innings, Lang has thrown 167 innings and Bingham's only thrown about 90, so way, way less in in innings. But she has started 14 games this year, made 22 appearances. So if you trust Caitlin Bingham, if you can steal that first game and, you know, rely on your home run hitting, because, you know, for one thing, we and we didn't really talk about this, there's so much depth in terms of the home run hitting for Wichita State. You know, like Lauren Mills, 
doesn't even play all the games and she's got an OPS of like 1,200 and hit a grand slam in, in the semifinals of the AAC championship. You know, I think you could generate enough offense to go ahead and beat Texas A&M. But at the end of the day, Tommy, I think you've got to look at going 1-0 is the most important thing. You have got to start 1-0 in the tournament. And whatever you have to do to do that, I think that's what you do. So the tournament begins for Wichita State on May 21st, Friday, 5 o'clock at Norman, Oklahoma. And you can watch that game on ESPN2. So check that out on the Deuce. Moving on to our next topic here, and uh, we're going to get back to the round ball sports in just a moment, to the diamond sports. In fact, it's a whole diamond sports show, so if you like that sort of thing, you're in the Second right Second week in a row. Is it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. I mean, it's that time of year. I mean, what else are we going to talk about? That's and true. Tommy, this topic I really crafted for you. I want to get Weston's thoughts on just kind of the team in general, but the wind surge with opening night, they open up riverfront stadium i'm not sure if you were there for opening night but i, I do know you were there during opening weekend because ad tweets from tommy you tweeted it out to social media uh wichita is currently eight and four they are leading the north division they have the best record in the double a central wind surge are three and three at riverfront stadium five and one on the road but as we talked about with the royals all april way too early to pass judgment on this team but um I do want to get Weston's thoughts on the team and the opening two weeks of Wind Search Baseball. But, Tommy, this is a special question for you I, because you were there. Weston and I were not there. I want your thoughts on the game day experience. I don't care about the team. I don't care if they lost when you were there. I didn't even check to look. What were your thoughts on being in the stadium? What did you like about the stadium? What did you like about the fan interaction, the public address announcer, the scoreboard, all of the fan enhancements to the stadium? What was your thought on the game day experience and affiliated baseball being back in Wichita? Well, first off, I feel very special that you crafted a question specifically you know, just for me. For you. However, um, it, it's something that I know Weston can answer too because he w- he went to a game as well on opening weekend. So oh, oh, wow. uh, he'll be able to. Yeah, so so, so he'll Weston be able to chime in after done. me. Yeah, please answer. Yeah, so uh, first 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 things first. Um, I had so much fun, and I think a lot of it. I was talking with my wife about this. I think a lot of it was the fact that I've waited 15 months for it. Like it was the anticipation, um, you know, from when the games were, you know, not really when the games were supposed to start last year, but when I got my tickets for last year was really when the excitement started. Then obviously, hey, Tommy, all, before you finish, yeah. are you a, pri- I know that you're a KU fan. You go to KU football, sure. basketball games. Are you primarily a baseball guy? Like in terms of going to a live game, are you, do you consider yourself to be a baseball guy first? I would rather go and watch baseball live than any other sport. I would rather go to a baseball game other than uh, over a football game, over a basketball game, over a golf tournament, over anything else above all else. Um, and it was, you know, not to get all into it, but my dad was a big baseball fan growing sure. up. We went to a lot of Wranglers games when I was a kid. Um, you know, just, I played little league baseball. I loved baseball. Uh, wasn't very good at it, but I enjoyed watching it. And so, uh, yeah, so that, that was big for me and just that, that anticipation. And I'll tell you what, Blake, the thing that was the most surreal to me, and maybe this is something that, that Weston can speak to a little bit is the, the, not just the game day experience, which I, I can talk about too, but sitting in that stadium 
looking out and seeing the same view that I've seen my entire life, but it was a completely different stadium. And it was just, it was so just surreal. Uh, I think is the best word to use. Um, it was so much fun. The game was a lot of fun. The game day experience, everybody was pleasant. Everybody was excited. Everybody was happy. Um, just the, the, the facilities are top notch state of the art. I mean, even as far down to sitting in the the stands and the amount of leg room you have uh, <laughs> is incredible. I mean, it's like just little things like that. The team store is fully stocked. I mean, they've got so much merchandise that I didn't like if you go and look online you know, you, you see maybe a few options for different things, but when you actually go to the store, they've got so many different options for merch. Um, I, I just, I had a blast. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was great to watch live baseball in Wichita that mattered again in a state of the art facility. And so that was my takeaway from it. Uh, maybe Weston has some different thoughts. Well, it's, it's not all good news. I'm not talking about on the field stuff for Wichita general manager, Jared Forma has left the team. He left the wind surge just after their debut game in Wichita. And you'll recall if you're a hardcore wind surge fan, that this is the real, the second really big departure of an executive in about the last eight months or so team president, Jay Miller resigned in December. So Tommy, everybody has had positive things to say about Wichita. A lot of people seem to want to be a part of wind surge baseball, but you've got these two really important, really high level executives leaving the program, do you have concerns that we've had so much turnover in the front office for the wind surge in its maiden season? No, I'm not concerned at all. And and here's the reason. You've got guys like Jared Forma who were, they were with, you have to remember, he was with the team when they were the New Orleans baby cakes. Sure. When they were affiliated with the Miami Marlins. So he was familiar with the front office, with the Miami Marlins. He was familiar with the scouting department, with the Miami Marlins. He was familiar with the inner workings and the, you know, all the, the processes and, and the whole way that the farm system works for this Miami Marlins, you know, uh, major league team. Obviously when affiliations changed and they became a twins affiliate, then all of a sudden, all of the people that he works for basically change, right? Uh, you, you're dealing with a different franchise. You're dealing with, you know, different uh, scouts and you know, different front office executives and, and, and things like that. And so I just think that that the bit the, and my understanding, and I don't know, I, I haven't confirmed this, but just the speculations that I've heard from different people that are fairly close to knowing about what's going on with Wichita Wind Surge Baseball is that this was something that was anticipated, that it was something that was planned, uh, it was something that you know the 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 plan was. You know, Jared Foreman, you were here since day one. As far as this team coming from New Orleans to Wichita, uh, you know, the the goal is to get you all the way, you know, to opening day. And then from there, um, you know, we'll go ahead and get a get a change done. So that, you know, that's basically my understanding of the situation was that it was let's get the wind surge to opening day in Wichita and then we'll make that transition. So I, I'm not super concerned. I wonder, though, you know, w- what does this mean for the wind surge moving forward? And so I'd like to see some continuity. I, I don't know what the twins have in mind as far as, you know, bringing on another GM or what that quite looks like for the for the franchise. Uh, but I'd like to see some continuity moving forward. And that is a good point too, Tommy, because, you know, the, the, 
obviously, at the end of the day, the Windsurge have to serve a lot of people, don't they? They have to serve people in Wichita. Obviously, they're serving this city. I don't know if they serve Wichita first and foremost, but they have to serve the Twins, too. They're the yeah. Twins affiliate. Yep. Their number one job is, I, I wouldn't even, I don't even know if it's to make money, but their job is to make the Twins better. That's yep. what they're supposed to do. Yep. So Minnesota may have different ideas about guys that they want in, the guys that, you know, the Marlins may have a different vision for their farm system than the Twins do. Probably they may, you know, the, the Twins, the, the Twins does. may have wanted, the Twins may have wanted somebody entirely different to be the general manager. You know, maybe sure. they've got somebody with, the, with one of their other farm teams that they wanted to come in They're and promote you know, sure yeah you know so it's so it, it could have been I, I don't know it could have been jared formas saying hey i want to transition out you know maybe and, and maybe there's a situation where he was well liked in the marlins organization and he's going back to join the marlins organization so i don't know if he left on his own volition if it was a mutual thing if the twins wanted to make a move but at the end of the day i don't think and th this is the problem is that we live in a clickbait society we live in a, a, a knee-jerk social media world and all and it's of a sudden get it's, when that all happens, of a sudden it's, of it's it's opening week the home you know much anticipated you know much ballyhooed debut of this franchise and a couple of days later the general manager resigns and so you're like oh my god the sky is falling what's happening <laughs> there could be a lot of scenarios that explain the departure that make it a lot less controversial than I think what people are, are thinking. And, you know, you read any comment section of any news organization, which I try not to, um, oh, yeah, but like I, I, I read the Wichita Eagle, uh, the comment section on that particular story. And, you know, people are like, this is just a, a dumpster fire waiting to happen. And the franchise is falling apart. I'm like, no, they're not. They're, they're no, pretty they're stable. The operations are pretty stable and the play on the field is pretty solid too. I mean, the fact that they opened up the, the, the franchise, the first six games on the road and took five of six to start the season is pretty special. The fact that you've got, you've got players on this wind surge roster. And I don't know if this is something you want to talk about at all. If we were just mainly talking about the experience in the front office, but you've got bona fide players on this team that are major leaguers that are guys that will make an impact with, I guess the Minnesota twins, if they stay with the organization, they could sure. always go elsewhere, but that they will make an impact. I'd look at guys like Jose Miranda, who's already hit four home runs in the first 12 games. Aaron yeah. Whitefield was named the, uh, the double a, uh, central player or hitter of the week. I think it was last week for his, you know, first week efforts at the plate. So Weston real quick for you, you have any thoughts on the, uh, Tommy just shared his thoughts. Jared Forma, general manager, leaving the team after the debut game in Wichita. Team president resigned in December. Any thoughts for you on the turnover in the front office for the wind surge? Tommy says, basically the verdict is for Tommy, no deal. For you, is it a big deal, little deal, or no deal turnover in the wind surge front office? Yeah, I feel pretty pretty same as uh, as Tommy. It's just not a big deal. I mean, especially now that you have the and not to echo too much of what Tommy said, but now that you have this, you know, the affiliation with the Twins and they're th running things, you know, top to bottom as opposed to before. You know, there was a little bit more, I think, importance on that local level now with with this strong affiliation and this is good this is good right because normally you, you sure wouldn't want the wind surge to have missed a season because of covid finally get to play baseball turnover with the gm and, and just kind of be on their own with that right but now that that that's why this 
structure, this affiliation with the MLB across the board, I think was so important. It provides that stability because at this level, that, that thing is that kind of thing is going to happen. When you're in minor league sports, you have all sorts of folks that are in that front office, whether it's business, player development, whatever, that are trying to move on, right? I don't think anybody's career goal is to be a minor league GM, right? That's not the end goal. Maybe they settle in and they end up happy, but that's not the goal when they set out. So you're going to have turnover at a high level. But because there's a strong affiliation with the Twins, with the MLB as a whole, no and maybe he all. was close to Lou Schweckheimer. That was a really devastating and unplanned loss for the wind surge. It would be really tough to show up to work every day. And like Tommy said, it sounded like it's it was planned. So not trying to make a story out of that, but uh, it's something that we definitely have to talk about. The wind surge at Tulsa, six-game series starting on Tuesday. That would be today as you are watching or listening to the podcast. 7.05 first pitch. You can catch them back in Wichita on Tuesday the 25th through the 30th against the Springfield Cardinals. We now head to our final topic of the show. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Royals have fallen off the face of the planet. An 11-game losing streak mercifully snapped against the White Sox in Chicago. Game one of a doubleheader on Friday the 14th. It was a makeup of a game that got rained out in April. Royals have lost four of their last five series. The other one was a split against Chicago's, all in the division, and they were swept by the Tigers. The Tigers swept the Royals. I will say, Royals, it looked like they should have had a chance to win that White Sox series. To me, I watched the replay. I mean, it looks like he's out. I don't know how you look at that replay and say that he's safe, but somehow Major League Baseball found a not conclusive to overturn the call on the field whatever it's not the worst review non-review i've ever seen but i mean it looks to me like he's out so bad call into that series royals should have had a chance in my estimation to win that in extra innings but tommy start with you royals run differential is minus 30 they're two and eight over the last 10 we asked we've asked several times do the royals suck literally all of the trends that you can look at there are some individual players that are playing well But all of the team trends for Kansas City are not just bad, they're real bad right now. Yeah, you've got a couple of bright spots you can look at with this team. Salvador Perez is one Mm -hmm. of them. Um, You know, we we talked before the season started when when Salvi signed that, you know, extension for quite a bit of money from Kansas City about how was that a good move for the Royals or would it have been better, you know, to try to figure out something else that wasn't going to be, you know, as uh, you know, cost prohibitive potentially for the Royals, but he's earning every dollar of that contract right now. He is one of the few bright spots uh, for this Royal squad over the last couple of weeks or so, which is surprising considering he's coming off of Tommy John surgery. And really, if you watch him, He's kind of he hasn't changed his game at all. You know, one of the one of the big criticisms from a guy like Salvi over the years has been he strikes out a lot, you know, and he swings at a lot of different pitches that are outside of the zone. He's doing that this year, but he's <laughs> making a lot better contact than he has in years past. You know, look at that um the the home run that he hit the other night against the White Sox. It was, you know, with one of the bright spots of the last two weeks for Kansas City when when they got that win against Chicago, hit that opposite field home run that you know I don't know if you guys saw, you know know what I'm talking about but you you see that replay the ball was about in the catcher's glove I think Carlos Rodon <laughs> was pitching for Chicago and I mean Salvi couldn't have swung any later than he than he did 
and he crushed it to the opposite field for a home run. So there are some bright spots offensively for Kansas City, but they they absolutely do not outshine the glaring issues that, that the Royals have right now, especially offensively. You look at guys like Jorge Soler and Hunter Dozier who are mightily struggling. They are having such a hard time this season. I think both of them are pressing a little bit. We talked about that last week on the program. Um, you know, I, I think you, you have to look at, um, you know, Carlos Santana as someone that is continuing to produce, you know, at a decent he level has, for Kansas solid. City right now. He's been solid. Uh, I would shudder to think on what this Royals offense would look like without Carlos Santana and Salvador Perez right now. Um, you know, but other than those two guys, there's just really not a whole lot offensively to write home about. Then you add on, of course, the the pitching for Kansas City. And we all talked about how great of a start of the season Danny Duffy had. Well, Duffy's headed to the IL. And so uh, that's an issue for sure. When you've got yes. who's been the guy who's been your best pitcher all season long he did you know he has had a couple of rough outings as of late but overall the most consistent pitcher that you have on staff going to the IL uh, that's not good for Kansas City so I struggle to find a lot of bright spots right now for this team um, it, the the sad thing about it is you look at how great of a start they had and you start to think that was just it was fool's gold it was a mirage in the desert uh, and unfortunately I think what we're seeing right now the longer that it goes on for Kansas City may end up being who this team really is unfortunately Weston this was your take before the year you said Royals are going to contend they're going to win 80 or so games they're going to be in it are you worried well of course I'm worried I mean you'd be a fool to not say you're worried right but but with that being said I will stick to that take um look of course everything you said is Tommy said Blake you mentioned it too you know it is accurate look they're struggling they're not playing good baseball I've said this before, but the nice thing about the game of baseball and really the way the MLB sees it, it is so early. The season is so long if things can get corrected. Now, the problem is we're not seeing signs of how that's going to get corrected, right? But if they can get it corrected, there's plenty of time. That won't be an issue. There will be plenty of time to get it corrected, get things going in the right directions. I keep saying, and it looks like now we're getting close to the reality of Mondi coming back. You know, we've seen hot hot and cold out of him, so hopefully you get the hot coming back, potentially a spark to that offense, immediately steps into the two or three hole. I mean, whether he should or shouldn't is, is another debate, but that's where he will come in at. Don't don't uh, think that that won't happen for sure. And then we're starting to see positive signs out of Bobby Witt down, in, and that's not, not that he's any type of savior, but I only say these things to just point out, you know, it really does only take two or three guys um, to really kind of get things going in a different direction, not necessarily to completely, you know, revamp an, an entire team can't be done by two or three guys. But it, it, two or three guys can change the direction of the way things are heading. I think the thing that concerns me the most, and it was what concerned us coming into the year, is the pitching, right? Um, there really doesn't look like there's a whole lot of signs of hope. And, and the thing that would be even worse for the future is it seems like not only are there not bright spots, but we're now forcing some young guys to pitch maybe when they're not ready. Uh, and that's the last thing you want to do is throw in these young pitchers and, and, and really hurt their growth by just shattering their confidence and having them get knocked around at the big league level. So that is concerning to me. Um, but 
you know, that I will stand by this. The talent is there. That doesn't mean it's there. It's ready for this year, but the talent is there. And Danny Duffy, I, I, I want to say. Tommy, oh, so I, yeah, Tommy, I'll go back to you. I, but Danny Duffy, <laughs> it looked like he was covering up the deficiencies by the way he was pitching out of his mind to start the year. Keller has been much better. But much better means he's given up 700 runs over 15 and a third innings of his last starts, which is not great. Stalmont and Barlow have pulled it together over the last three. But you talk about a young pitcher shattering his confidence. This Daniel Lynch move looks like one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Because he pitched two and two-thirds innings at Detroit, gave up seven hits, three earned runs. He has put the bullpen in a bad spot in literally every start he's made. And Jacob Junis has not been good out of the pen. Since May... Whip of over 1.25 in every appearance. Never happened in April. One scoreless appearance, and he, he I will say he did have some relief appearances to start the season before he got moved to the starting rotation. Just for full clarification, so he did have success there early on. One scoreless appearance in May, not counting his start against Chicago because it was two days after his last appearance. He was the opener for that game. Opponents hitting 400 against him in May. His ERA this month is 13.5. It was 3.5 in April. So what am I missing here with Daniel Lynch somehow being the savior and we need Junis in the bullpen? Opponents are hitting the ball on the ground a lot more against him. His ground ball outs versus uh, fly ball outs, 3.67 in May. It was 0.9 in April. His whip is over a run in May. Short homestand begins tomorrow against the Brewers, Tommy. I think that this Daniel Lynch experiment needs to be terminated in a hurry. It's not working. Junis was pitching much better in a different role. It's time to move in a different direction. I understand it's only three starts, but one of those starts, he showed flashes of brilliance. The other start was a complete train wreck. And quite frankly, the, the start against Detroit doesn't really give me a whole lot of confidence to throw him out there for his fourth appearance that it's going to go a whole lot better because Detroit's a bad team. They were hitting terrible, and somehow they lit him up. Well, listen, uh, th they've already made the change. I mean, Daniel Lynch was demoted a couple of days ago. Um, so, you know, they, they sent him down to AAA. Um, you know, it, it sounds like to, to what Weston was saying before, I absolutely agree uh, that they they threw Daniel Lynch out there before he was ready. And he got a rude awakening on 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 how, you know, to pitch to to big league batters. That's just the bottom line. And it sounds like and this is according to Sam Mellinger from the Kansas City Star. Uh, he tweeted this out uh, at one of Mike Matheny's uh, press conferences after they sent Daniel Lynch back down to AAA. Uh, he said that uh, Matheny didn't come out and say it directly, but it sounds like part of what they want Daniel Lynch to work on in AAA in Omaha is pitch tipping. That was something that we talked about hmm. last week on the program about how that could have been, you know, some of the the major issues that we saw with with Daniel Lynch. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this rotation moves forward with Danny Duffy on the IL, with the Daniel Lynch early season experiment not working out. Brad Keller is still a question mark. What is yes. he going to look like moving forward as we get into the month of June and beyond? Um, you know, guys, I, I watched the game uh, the other night. Um, the, I think it was on Saturday evening, the, the Royals-White Sox game. And Mike Miner started that game, and he pitched a really good ball game for Kansas City. It was one Fair of the point. bright pitching spots that we've seen over the last couple of weeks for Do Kansas you think City. He could so sustain that. I, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he hasn't. 
in his career he's up get to a this point. To, right? He's going to get a chance to, and, and, and the Royals are going to need to lean on him. It sounds like uh, Chris Bubich is going to be rejoining the rotation. Uh, sounds like he'll be starting the game on Tuesday. That's according to reports uh, for Kansas City. So we'll see what he looks like. Obviously, Jacob Junis moving back into the rotation as well. So there are options. Uh, it's not like the Royals are without starters. The question is, are they going to be effective starters. That's the question mark. And the only other thing I want to, I want to point out if we're going to give Weston a hard time about his prediction uh, before the season started about the Royals contending, I feel like I need to at least buzz myself and say that my bold prediction was that Bobby Witt would be the American league rookie of the year. Uh, That was maybe a little bit uh, overblown (laughs) on my part. He's currently hitting 178 with one home run and 14 strikeouts and 51 plate appearances in double a right now for the Northwest uh, Arkansas naturals. So I'm not sure he's going to end up being the guy this season for Kansas city. So I feel like I got to call myself on that one. Hey, you know what? And and more power to you for, for having the honesty Thank to you. do it, Tommy. Hey, you know, I'm nothing yeah. if I'm not honest. <laughs> you, you know, and I, I, I like to always point out when I do give Blake credit because it's not often. But Blake <laughs> was, the, I think, the most vocal about not liking the Daniel Lynch move. And I, I have yeah. to admit that, that it has been a disaster Ugh. from start to finish. And, but and the, the other and, thing... The, the other thing, just really quick, the other thing about yeah. it is that at the time, it didn't seem like a terrible idea because the Royals had a lot of cushion in the division race. That cushion is gone now, and a lot of that has to do, unfortunately, with Daniel Lynch. Yeah, you know, and, and I think the other thing, too, my position at that time was I, I didn't feel like they had a whole lot of options because I wasn't sure. And I mean, just maybe bringing Daniel Lynch up to the big leagues was the mistake at all because I didn't feel like you could bring Daniel Lynch up into the bullpen. But that's my concern. And maybe this is maybe hopefully Matheny and, you know, and Dayton Moore have seen this play out and it didn't play out well. But my fear, though, is that, you know, injuries, lack of production, force Jackson Kowar or Asa Lacey, you know, or, or any of these other young guys. Now, Bubich is, he's already pitched at the big league level. So I'm that that's, it's not quite the same bringing him up. I mean, you know, he's been there. He's, he's done it at a decent level. He wasn't, you know, not quite ready, but he's been around. So it's not the same, but like Jackson Kowar and, uh, you know, Asa Lacey, those are the two in mind that I just, I hope we don't have to force them into action. Like we did Daniel Lynch. Well, Royals are going to try to win their first series they have won in a couple of weeks, believe it or not. The last time, guys, that the Royals won a series, I think it was when they, uh, no, it wasn't the Twins. It was back when they swept the Tigers 23rd through the 26th. They have not won a series since. Going to try to get that done with a quick two-game set. It's a quick five-game homestand. It begins tomorrow as you're listening to us today or watching against the Brewers 18th and 19th, a three-game set. I guess that would be today as you're watching us, beg your pardon. 18th and 19th, three-game set against the Tigers again on Friday. And, boy, you get swept by the Tigers two series in a row. We're going to have some really big problems. Tommy, it's that time of the show to hit the music. It is the Wichita Whip Around, the best stories from in and around the air capital that we just didn't have time for on the show today, but we think you need to know about. Tommy and Weston, in that order, give us your Wichita Whip Around story for this week. Yeah, so it's kind of, uh, we're definitely in a different time of year. It's obviously baseball season right now, but we know we're in a different time of year because Wichita State basketball 
is actually in the Wichita Whip Around and not an actual story today. And it's not really specifically about the Shocker program. It is about TBT this summer, the basketball tournament sure. and the Aftershocks team uh, made up of Shocker alumni. The news came out just a couple of days ago that Wichita State basketball legend Ron Baker will serve as the uh, the team's general manager, the alumni team, the Aftershocks, for the basketball tournament. Of course, we all know Ron Baker. We all know the legend of Ron Baker uh, w- during his time at Wichita State. His assistants will be former players Zach Bush and J.R. Simon. It will be a 16-person team to compete in the Wichita Regional at Coke Arena. Some of the names that are already committed to play in this tournament for the Aftershocks include Marcus McDuffie, Connor Frankamp, Richard Kelly, and Darrell Willis. They'll be returning to the Roundhouse to play for the Aftershocks. Uh, but pretty excited to see Ron Baker, albeit in, in the role of general manager uh, for this Aftershocks team. But it should be a lot of fun to see him back in Charles Coke Arena. Well, I'm going to move over and steal Blake's sport of choice, and we're going to talk high school boys tennis. Hey, at a baby. As Wichita, as Wichita Collegiate won its 25th title in program history and fourth in the last five state tournaments, which is absolutely incredible and i think there have been several times on this podcast i know maybe it was with i think with girls swimming maybe we've talked softball i think we've mentioned top dynasties really in in wichita or kansas athletic sports you absolutely have to consider wichita collegiate uh men's tennis as one of the top dynasties of all time when you have 25 state championships and have won four of the last five uh not only they also had a uh, they won doubles as collegiate senior Luke Swan and Charlie Dunn outlasted a couple of brothers from Kansas City Christian which to me I don't I know I'm up here and maybe this sounds snobby of me but Owen Owen and James Vanderark just sound like a doubles team from Kansas City <laughs> Christian so the Wichita Collegiate boys of Luke Swan and Charlie Dunn took them down and Collegiate goes on to win, uh, the, like I said, their 25th title in program history. Very, very impressive. I'm going to go back to Wichita State track and field, actually. The Shocker men finished second at the American Athletic Conference Championships. They were held this past weekend. They were actually in first through the first couple of days, but could not quite polish it off. They led after day one. Houston won their fifth title in a row to come from behind and beat the Shocker. Shocker women finished fourth. Rebecca Topham took home fourth career American Athletic Conference MVP award. She was fourth in the 1500, second in the 5000, and she won the 3000 steeplechase by nine seconds, which in those distant sports, that's basically an eternity. So she basically crushed the field. Davis Dubbert was actually the male MVP. Winning the high jump, he finished all-conference in the javelin. He was fourth in the decathlon. So all in all, I know the women wanted to finish a little better, but uh, Shocker men second at the AAC championships, a good weekend overall for Wichita State University track and field. And that is our show. Before we say goodbye, fellas, do we have any additions, corrections, or attractions? 
I do have an addition. Uh, this is something that the news broke on this about an hour before we began recording this program on Monday night, the 17th. Uh, and it's big news in the world of the transfer portal as it relates to college basketball and the Kansas Jayhawks. Arizona State transfer Remy Martin has decided to play for Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks. He entered the transfer pool last week. He committed to the Jayhawks. He still plans to go through the NBA draft process and see how it all plays out. Uh, but he has confirmed that news to uh, several uh, sports writers. And then also uh, the university did confirm it as well. Uh, he was a two-time first-team All-Pac-12 selection. He averaged 19.1 points per game during each of the last two seasons. He led the Pac-12 in scoring while shooting over 43% from the field and averaging just under four assists and almost three rebounds uh, last season. And guys, I don't know if you remember Remy Martin, uh, but there was a, a two game. There was a home and home set that the Jayhawks played against the Sun Devils in 2017 and 2018. The game in Lawrence at Allen Fieldhouse, I believe Martin was a freshman that year. He scored 21 points off the bench for Arizona that. State inside Allen Fieldhouse and then scored double digits the next time uh, they, they played. And uh, of course, we I'm sure we can all remember that Arizona State won both of those matchups against the Jayhawks, including the one inside Allen Fieldhouse. This is a big get for the Jayhawks. It's a big get for Bill Self. They needed a point guard. They needed some a point guard that can handle the ball, that can shoot, and that can also score at the rim. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you guys. I, I, and I know, Blake, you don't particularly follow the the you know, transfer portal and recruiting and commits and that sort of thing. But, you know, I know Weston, you do. There were some big time guys uh, at the point guard position that KU was going after. They were whiffing on all of them. Ty Ty Washington committed to Kentucky. Severe Wheeler uh, from Georgia. He committed today to play for John Calipari in Kentucky. There have been a couple of other point guards that Bill Self wanted, but it looks like Remy Martin, according to, you know, people that are pretty well respected in the college basketball world, they had Remy Martin as the number one transfer in the in the portal, he's going to be playing for KU at least you know at least for his final season. Yeah, it's kind of incredible too because it's not something I had even really had on my radar or did not know that you know they were Kansas was a possibility. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting too because my understanding and maybe I'm wrong about this. I thought Joseph Yusufu uh, plays the the one and not to suggest that he can't play two. And we we know from years past, Bill likes kind of almost a two point guard system. Yeah. Um, so maybe that's kind of what he's thinking. But boy, is this team going to look entirely different than what we saw last year? They've brought a lot of guys in. There's going to be a lot of change. And I don't think you're going to see any of the young guys play hardly at all. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they blend and depending on who comes back, who doesn't come back for Kansas. Um, and True. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing, Tommy. I'm a, I'm a lot more inclined to be excited about this because we've actually seen this guy play. He's actually played yeah. minutes in a college uniform at the Big 12 level, at the Power 5, Power 6 conference level. So you can, I think, extrapolate a lot better from this guy. Not that it always works out that way, <clears throat> Clinton Grimes, but... Uh, you know, you you can extrapolate. I think a lot better, a lot more accurately than maybe a high school uh, high school recruit. Weston, any other uh, ACs or Rs for you? 
Yeah, just a, a small note. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, so Chiefs tickets went on sale. The NFL has announced they are full capacity selling. Obviously, yep. if, if if a state you know or or local county has a different ordinance, then so be it. But they're the expectation is that they are selling tickets at full capacity, which is fantastic. I I I get chills even thinking <laughs> about Arrowhead full next year. It's going to be fantastic. But here's the fun the fun catch. If you want to even step foot in Arrowhead Stadium next year, the cheapest option you have, at least according to StubHub, and I was would assume the Chiefs may very well have already sold out, according to sec- on the secondary market, two twenty five to wow. even get in the door at Arrowhead next year. I think people are excited to be back in a full jam packed, screaming loud, barbecue smelling Arrowhead Stadium. Excuse me, Gia Field at Arrowhead Stadium. Ugh. Hey, yeah, <laughs> hey Blake, I do have. Blake, I do have one more addition that yeah, I feel like we it. should probably throw in. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but over the weekend, the Wichita Thunder became the first team in the ECHL to clinch a playoff berth. They're currently nice. in first place in the West. They have a uh, a winning percentage of about uh, 66% and 84 points. Uh, the game on Sunday against Rapid City was canceled. Uh, the Thunder has a higher points percentage uh, than Rapid City does, so the Thunder earned their second ever berth in the Kelly Kelly Cup playoffs and the first since the 2017-2018 season. I certainly hope that letting all these people in, and I'm in, I'm in favor of it. I mean, the the trends are going in the right direction with the coronavirus. Alabama said way like months ago, like we're letting everybody in. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, the programs like that, mm-hmm. they they need the money. I mean, even though they print money at Alabama, they still need the money. So it's not surprising. But I'm excited because the more NFL teams, as long as people do this right, and if you haven't got the shot yet at this point, that's your fault because it's available. You can go get it in Wichita. Go and get it. It there's not lines. But the more, and I talked with Joanna Pryor about this on the JetCast, the more that that opens up at the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, and Division One sports, that's going to trickle down to Division Two sports. So that could make things look a lot better, a lot different for the Jets next year, for Wichita State, for high schools. So hopefully, you know, people will keep getting vaccinated, keep being safe, and, you know, we're finally going to crack this thing and, and actually get back to normal. That would be fantastic. I certainly hope that we're seeing fans at Fugate Gymnasium next year. That is our show for this week. I don't know if we're going to talk a lot of Diamond Sports next week. We've been on a Diamond Sports kick, though, and so we might. You never know. You'll have to make sure that you like and subscribe, and make sure you hit the notification so that when we come out with our show next week, you'll be notified. And while you're there, why don't you share it with a friend? Whatever platform you're on, YouTube or Facebook or one of those other platforms, Spotify, there's a share function. Why don't you send this to a friend and let them know if you hate us, if you like us, or maybe you love us. Maybe you're in love with Weston modeling Wichita wind surge apparel. Whatever your reason (laughs) is, we don't really care as long as you like and subscribe. And you can follow us on social media if you want. Once again, we're at CogPod on Twitter. And for our beloved audio listeners, Tommy and Weston, please share your Twitter handles. You can follow me anytime on Twitter at TweetsFromTommy. At WMills94, go check out the Wichita Surge team store to get this wonderful, lovely hat for our uh, video listeners. Any any of you, either of you guys doing Snapchat, Instagram, anything? Yeah, I've got a I've got an Instagram. I don't I mean, do uh, Snapchat or TikTok or anything, but my Instagram is at Tommy Caster. It's pretty simple. 
Don't let him kid you. You can find Tommy on TikTok at Tommy Dances <laughs> at Tommy Dances. No, that's that's boom, the only boom, that's the boom. only fans account for Tommy. It's uh, you, you want to make sure you're <laughs> uh, okay. watching that behind yourself. Nobody yourself. nobody ever wants to see that. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, I definitely don't. Uh, I am not on any video media besides this one. You're welcome, but you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at b e crips b e c r i p p s. Like I said, not sure what's going to break next week, but probably I'm going to be very interested to see how Wichita. Uh, how Wichita responds here with the wind surge coming up and Royals baseball. Don't get swept by the Tigers. I'm going to throw so much dirt on the Royals next week if they get swept by the Tigers. I'm just just letting you guys know we're backing up the dump truck next week on Kansas City if they get swept by the Tigers. Don't let it happen. Don't want to see it. So until then, for Weston, for Tommy, this is Blake. You've been watching Keeper of the Games. We'll see you next week. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Caster, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod.